Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. The present issues from the past and the future from the present. Everything is made one by this continuity. Time is like a circle where all the points are so linked that one cannot say where it begins or ends, for all points proceed and follow one another forever. Welcome to Golden Dawn, the 166th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is attributed to Hermes Trismegistus. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. <laughs> Look at that. We got a whole, we got a whole three trio. pagans intro. We got the whole kitten caboodle today. Return of Carr. Return of Carr again. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So, new patrons. Right, yes. Housekeeping. Yeah. Yes, yeah. housekeeping. We have one new anonymous cat. Greetings, anonymous. We love you. And then we have two new hunters Anne Ori and Maharit. Well, welcome, and we love you, hunters. We do. Yep. New hunters. New hunters. And all yep. hunters, yep. and all cats, and kittens, and lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. No bears. We don't have bears. Oh, that's true. Um, that's it for housekeeping. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we have anything else we need no. to talk about imminently. Uh-uh. Because we don't really have anything happening right now. Yeah. No. Just, just a reminder that we're not dueling the Yuling this year. So Dueling the Yuling. Yeah. There will be no Yuling this year. <laughs> At least not officially. If you yeah. want to do this between yourselves, that's up to you. That's, yeah. that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all figure that out y'all on your own. Y'all figure that out. I'm not doing the Yuling this year. Yep. But yeah, I think that's it in terms of housekeeping. I think so, so yeah. We are housekept and... House swept. This episode, we are going to be talking about the Golden Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the secret societies that is sort of foundational to modern magical practices. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that also the bad thing in Big Trouble in Little China? I'm not, I do know I don't remember. It was a... I don't know. I thought it was Chinese... Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, sir. Um, we're also we are not talking about the Golden Dawn neo-Nazi organization from Greece. That's unrelated. <laughs> and I think there's also a um, a Golden Dawn trademark that was created in uh, the 70s or 80s. There's a the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn registered trademark. Yes, which are is they the, the Nazis? Re- no, no. Oh. that's the re- Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's the revival right. of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. We're going to be talking about, yes. which stopped existing in the 30s. Well, I know <laughs> that. I just happened to read today as I was learning more about the Golden Dawn uh-huh. is that there was a revival, so, and I was like, and you're yes. telling me about Nazis. I'm like, no, Wait, that's not the same different, people, right? No, okay. the Golden Dawn Shoot. in Greece was a far right neo-Nazi organization. Organization, which has since been mostly arrested. Oh, good. 
Oh man. Well, I didn't find out about the Nazis. I only found out about the, the revival group. Honest, frankly, how did you avoid finding out about the Nazis? I Googled <laughs> Golden Dawn. And my first the like thing that shows Yeah, up. my first like five results, three of them were about the neo-Nazi organization. Yep. I was like, what the fuck did I miss? I kept bringing up I kept bringing up the, the original order and uh-huh. I kept bringing up the revival. Okay, good. That's that's that I'm that's sure that's bad. what they would prefer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> L says pretty famous for a secret society, and true. right. Obviously, they didn't stay secret for very long. <laughs> Maybe why they quit Which, being right. Thing. Actually, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah there, was, it there was. We'll get into it. There's a whole history of what went down with the Golden Dawn and why mm. they uh, they stopped existing for a good long while, and why the uh, modern revival is not actually technically speaking the same thing. The thing to start from is that. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was founded by three Freemasons mm-hmm. in 1887 or 1888, depending on how you count it. Whether you count it as having been founded when they decided they were going to do the thing, or whether you count it as having been founded when they opened the first temple. And it was in the United Kingdom. It was, yeah. Because it was William Woodman, William Westcott, and a familiar name mm-hmm. to three-pack listeners... Samuel Little McGrether Mathers. That's right. <laughs> we talked a long time ago now. Oh, God, about, it's been a long time. Yeah, about McGregor Mathers, who translated a whole bunch of shit. So his, Poorly. Oh, badly, badly, yeah. He badly translated a whole bunch of shit, and he was one of the founding members of the Golden Dawn. He's probably one of the reasons why the Golden Dawn <laughs> no longer exists. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. So the, the original Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, the story is that William Westcott received a manuscript called the Cipher Manuscript from a friend of his, Woodford, who got it from the effects of a, a professor he knew, Mackenzie, who had died. Mm-hmm. Woodford had this ciphered manuscript. He didn't know how to read it. He wasn't really interested in figuring out how to read it, so he handed it off to Westcott, who was interested in that kind of thing. Uh, because he was a Freemason. Westcott was very intrigued by it and deciphered it. It was a fairly simple substitution cipher and pulled in his friend, another Freemason, McGregor Mathers, to confirm his deciphering of this manuscript. Mm -hmm. And what they quote-unquote discovered in the cipher manuscript was what at the time they claimed were some ancient esoteric teachings revealing a curriculum of study. Mm -hmm. And then McGregor Mathers took that manuscript and sort of systematized it Mm -hmm. into what would become the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And he used the hierarchy and initiations and things of of the Masonic. Of the free, uh, the like a combination of the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians. Right, right. Um, They were very, they were also influenced by the Rosicrucians. So there is now a great deal of contention about the Cypher Manuscript, Mm -hmm. including uh, where it actually came from. So there's doubt whether it actually came from the effects of uh, Mackenzie at all. Or if it came from Anna Sprengel. (laughs) We'll get into Anna Sprengel. Or or, or whether it came from, uh, whether it came from Woodford, whether Westcott just wrote like, wrote it himself. Right, yeah. There was a page in the Cypher Manuscript that had the name and address of a Fraulein Anna Sprengel. Yes. And the story goes, <laughs> and we have to preface it that way, the story goes that Westcott and McGregor Mathers 
sent a letter to this address and got into contact with an Anna Sprengel who claimed to be a member of a secret society. A secret society. The Rosicrucians. That she, with some of her associates, had founded a splinter sect of the Rosicrucians. Right. It was like... Supposedly, she sent them a letter back giving them a charter to start a lodge in the United Kingdom. And it was styled as the Third Lodge because, according to the story, Anna Sprengel's lodge was the first lodge of this order. There had been an attempt, failed, to start a second lodge in England. Uh, and then Mathers and Westcott were starting the Third Lodge mm -hmm. of this order. However, no one can confirm that Anna Sprengel ever even existed. Mm -hmm. Much less that she was like a countess and the love child of a famous... Ludwig I of yes, Bavaria. exactly. Mm -hmm. Of a Bavarian prince. Later on, a few decades later, Westcott would admit that he had forged the letters from Anna Sprengel. Mm -hmm. And then there was contention that the presence of Anna Sprengel's name and address in the cipher manuscript itself might have been an additional forgery that he had just invented this woman whole cloth right. to lend authenticity to the cipher manuscript. And that's separate from even the question of whether the cipher manuscript itself was forged and its authenticity it's fabricated. Like, it's like the Masons wasn't quite enough for what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And they came up with a more secret society. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know... Double they, secret. A double super secret society <laughs> <laughs> that they could be a part of and have their own super secrets mm -hmm. that they got esoterically from, what was it, the... The, the secret, secret masters, yeah, the and secret, the secret chiefs. Yeah, the secret masters that could only be intuited psychically. The, uh -huh. the one thing I do have to give a nod to these guys who created the Golden Dawn mm -hmm. is that women had equal status as men. Yes, so in the Freemasons, they were, only men could join. Right. And it's not clear exactly why Westcott, Mathers, and Woodman decided that they were going to have an equal opportunity magical order but they did they, they decided did. you men and women could join equally there they would could, be no difference between them in terms of initiatory tradition they could be leadership they equally. could exactly they could move up they moved up the ranks according to the exact yep. same curriculum yep. there was no there was difference. no like cap on how high they could like there was no glass ceiling right so i have to give my nod even though some of this right how origin the, how it was created uh-huh was what about these secret chiefs uh -huh. you know all of that i do still have to give props to these guys yeah. because they wanted they were ahead of their time they were ahead of their time they wanted equality for everyone who came into the order mm -hmm. so i think that's good yeah it was it was that that was genuinely a very that cool was, element of the golden dawn it was apparently they also allowed uh german jews in which the rest of the masonic order didn't yeah right <laughs> Yeah, they were they were very equal opportunity. Yeah, they maybe anybody know, they could get money out of. You know, I don't. I actually don't know if there was a a dues a dues. Yeah, hmm. there probably was. I, I would assume so. Orders yeah, too. I would I would assume so, but I I actually don't know that for sure. But so at a certain point, Westcott claimed that he had stopped receiving letters from Anna Sprengel, right. and that he had learned that she had died. Mm -hmm. And that, which we also can't track. Oh, very convenient. <laughs> and that her <laughs> unnamed collaborators 
and her lodge didn't approve of the lodge in England, mm -hmm. and so they would have no further contact with them. And so Which it was now up exactly to it was now completely up to Woodman, Westcott, and Mathers to lead the order and to get in touch with the secret chiefs. Mm -hmm. And there was a great deal of contention about what that even meant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what Mathers actually claims eventually, because it's eventually Mathers who claims that he is he has gotten into contact with the, with the secret chiefs. Mm -hmm. What Mathers eventually claims is that they are human people who are alive today, but who have extraordinary supernatural powers, mm -hmm. and that they are spiritually communicating to him specifically, mm -hmm. and he is passing on their revelations to the rest and, of the and Golden Dawn. And that's how they got their rituals and mm -hmm. the different things that they did as an order. Yeah. It was through these psychic transmissions that he was privy to. <laughs> so the original cipher manuscript laid out uh, a fairly comprehensive curriculum uh, that Mathers helped systematize mm -hmm. into what eventually became just the first order of the Golden Dawn, because mm -hmm. there are three orders within right. the organization. And so the first order taught esoteric philosophy, classical elements, Astrology, tarot, geomancy, um, a pentagram ritual, and the Hermetic Kabbalah with a Q, which is a whole subject. <laughs> right, but built uh, yes. around built the, built around that concept. The, the Jewish mysticism of the Kabbalah. Well, built around Western reinterpretations right. of Jewish mysticism. Exactly. Like that hasn't happened before. Right. Or again. Or since. Or yeah. Still. Continuing on. <laughs> The eternal theft of Kabbalah with no um, with no understanding of the deeper uh, meanings and, yeah. and reasons and, and yeah. The Hermetic Kabbalah right. uh, with the Q is a big deal in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Well, the Hermetic part refers to Hermes Trismegistus, right. which is why I quoted him, them, it up there at the top. Aren't they also devoted to the deity Hermes? Hermes Trismegistus is sometimes thought to be literally Hermes. Mm -hmm. It's a complicated subject. Right. It's a whole big mishmash. Right. So, it, like, Egyptology was really popular at the time. Mm -hmm. So, like, all of the temples are named for Egyptian deities. Right, yeah. Like the... Some of their additional societies that they created mm -hmm. are also... Yeah, mm -hmm. like, the, the first temple that they opened was called Isis Urania. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened another one called the Amun-Ra Temple. They had several, um, and they all had Egyptian Amhotep. They all had Egyptian names because, like I said, Egyptology and early uh, 19th century bad Egyptology in particular was, was really popular at the time uh, and was very widely referenced by occultists at the time. I do think it's interesting, too, that in their origins, um, according to what I'm reading and have read, is that they really kind of started out more about philosophy and metaphysical teaching and then kind of added the magical component as time wore on. Yeah, my understanding is the only magical ritual, aside from like divinatory studies, because they did right. have divinatory studies in the First Order, but my understanding is the only magical ritual they had in the First Order was the pentagram ritual. Right. Um, which is a fairly straightforward, um, what we would sort of now consider sort of like an entry-level ceremonial mm -hmm. magic um, practice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so after he 
made contact with the secret masters. Yeah. Mathers <laughs> received. Okay, we're talking a little sarcastically here. But, I, you here's know. the thing. I can't, I can't say he didn't. No, nope, But this true. is the story he tells. This is the story he told. Um, it's notable that the way this happened gave Mathers a great deal of control over mm -hmm. the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and that will come up again later. So Mathers was receiving instructions from the secret chiefs via spiritual communications and used those transmissions mm -hmm. to develop praying practices, astral travel, mm -hmm. continuing uh, the ancient work of alchemy. Yep. And that all became the province uh, that more magical study became the province of the Second Order, mm -hmm. which uh, hadn't existed until this point. It didn't, the Second Order wasn't founded until 1892. So that's, God, math. <laughs> that's four years four after years. the original founding of the First Order. And he gave it a separate name, which I don't mm -hmm. remember right I, now. I do know that um, additionally, uh, oh, actually, it was the Second Order was formally established under the name of Ordo Rosae Rubiae et Auro Crucis, the yes. Order of the Red Rose and the Golden Cross. Yep. That was based, and Sprengel was a Rosicrucian. Right. Right. Okay. If supposedly. Existed. Supposedly. If, if there was a Sprengel, yes. She, she was supposedly she a Rosicrucian of some kind. So that's where, or, what, that's where the Order of the Red Rose and the Golden Cross came from. That was the official name. The of official the title second, of the Second of Order. The second. And they called themselves the Golden Adepts. Cross. If you were an adept of the Golden Dawn, you were part of the Second Order. Yeah. And then the Third Order was the Secret Chiefs. And like I said, there was some debate in the Golden Dawn about whether those were ranks that humans could aspire to. Mm -hmm. Differences of opinion on that subject. I've got here a list of the, of the actual ranks in the Golden Dawn. So in the First Order, you could be a neophyte, which effectively was like a beginner. You, had, you had decided to join. Um, and then they had four sort of primary ranks, which were associated with the four classical elements. Mm -hmm. And as you reached each rank, you would be given instruction on that element, which was supposed to influence your development as a person. Mm -hmm. And then you would be given a written exam that you had to pass in order to move on to the next stage. So... Those stages were Zelator, Theoricus, Practicus, and Philosophus. And the elements they were associated with were earth, air, water, and fire, respectively. And for, like I said, for a long time, that was it. That was, well, for a long time. For four years, that was it. <laughs> for a long time. For the relatively short lifespan of the yeah, original yeah. Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. That it was a long time. It was a long time. So for the first four years, that was it. <laughs> Elle says four years can feel like a long time, like high school. <laughs> uh, I, I suspect there was sort of a high schooly clicky vibe yeah, to the Golden yeah. Dawn. So then Mathers established the Second Order with its fancy name, very fancy name. It's a very fancy name. And there were three ranks within that. There were the Adeptus Minor, the Adeptus Major, and the Adeptus Exemptus. <laughs> I know. Adeptus Exemptus. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? I assume it means you don't you're, have to do anything. you're exempt from exempt the regular from, rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do what y'all want. Uh-huh. And then there was a, a quote-unquote invisible rank between first and second orders, or it was sometimes called the portal rank, where you had learned enough 
to have surpassed the first order, but you hadn't been accepted into the second order yet. So there was just sort of a, a invisible rank there where you outclassed all of your first order peers, but you hadn't been officially initiated into the second order as an, as an adept yet. And then in the third order, which again, question marks about whether humans can get these ranks, there were the Magister Templi, the Magus, and the Ipsissimus. Mm. And the Ipsissimus was a really interesting one because to become an Ipsissimus, hypothetically, assuming that humans could do this, mm-hmm. you had to be able to reach a particular state that, that some Buddhist monks strive to achieve, mm-hmm. where you're able to consciously reduce your heartbeat and your breathing rate and sort of all your bodily functions mm-hmm. to like just the bare minimum thread necessary to sustain life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, a transcendental kind of an experience. Right. So to be an Ipsissimus, you had to be able to achieve that and you had to have like exemplary magical powers. Mm-hmm. But if you achieved the rank of Ipsissimus, you were not supposed to tell anyone. It was a secret rank that if you achieved it as a magus, you were supposed to just not tell anyone, keep it a secret from everyone else in the order, continue to act as a magus and perform magus responsibilities, mm-hmm. and just radiate Ipsissimus vibes through your behavior. And I think the Golden Dawn, which is probably inherent in their name, along with the Mm -hmm. Rosy Cross and all that, (laughs) uh, was that they uh, wanted to do good in the world. Like, be a a force for good. Like, Um, they considered, quote-unquote, white magic to be their purview. Right. High magic. And high magic. Um, There was um, a sense within the Golden Dawn that there were like active evil forces at work yes. that needed to be actively combated. Yes, there were some who believed that was Alex to Crowley. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, yeah, I guess, I guess we, we are approaching yeah. that time. Well, yeah. first, why don't we have a commercial? Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC church. That's Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organized in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for down payment on the property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them online at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Weavers is also holding regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time. Hail Dictinus. Now, I do want to say, you know, we talked about the fact that the Golden Dawn was open as far as, you know, equality between mm-hmm. men and women. But I do think it was kind of a highbrow kind of. Oh, it definitely was. Because if you look at, like, the list of people well, who Well, I was in. just going to say many celebrities belonged, yeah. including actress Florence Farr. Irish revolutionary Maud Gaughan, Irish poet William Butler Yeats, mm-hmm. Welsh author Arthur Mackin, <laughs> English author Evelyn Underhill. I'd like to point out how many women are included mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, it wasn't just lip service that women were. No, it really was. And Alistair Crowley. Yes. All right. <laughs> I guess it's time to talk about Crowley. Let's talk about Crowley. So, so first, actually, we should probably explain why I'm how Mathers got so much control over the Golden Dawn, because that's going to matter for this conversation. Mm -hmm. So Woodman had kind of 
faded into the background well prior. Right. That's um, true. But Westcott and Mathers were sort of the driving forces together for, for a while there. Mm-hmm. And then Westcott mysteriously broke ties, broke all ties with, with the organization with no explanation. There's, a, there's, there's a, theory. a theory about why this, there's some rumors about why this may have happened. So you go ahead and explain. Okay. It is speculated mm-hmm. that he may have lost a number of occult related papers in a handsome cab. Yeah. That he <laughs> lost. So he was going around town with his secret organization, magic documents in his, in, you know, in, in his possession, in his possessions, and, and just like left, left them behind. behind. We don't know if maybe he left them in a had his had a bag, or if they were he was right. He was just carrying them. them. Just carrying Who knows? Them. But supposedly he left them in a handsome cab, and it was discovered that he had this connection to the Golden Dawn, mm-hmm. and that it was brought to the attention of his employers. And, and he was employed yeah. as a city coroner. He was a coroner. So, <laughs> so the was thought he stealing is, bodies? <laughs> Who knows? So the thought was that because he had been exposed as a member of the Golden Dawn and their esoteric practices were probably kind of, you know... Shady. Shady. As Especially as, for a city employee. As far as what other people thought. And so he just, again, mysteriously he, just yeah. stopped being part of it, cut all ties. So the theory is that he was given an ultimatum. Yeah. That uh, either he could continue to be a weird magic person... person or he could keep his job. Right. Uh, and, he, the, and he chose his job. He chose his job. Because we have to remember, you know, at this time, it's not like these secret societies and and, uh, and magic and things were highly regarded yeah. in society, the, you know. <laughs> there was actually... Re- so, like, the organization is well-known today. Sure. And now we know about a lot of its very famous, well-known members. But they were secret for a but reason. But the reason we call them secret societies is that people did not advertise their connections no. to them. Because they didn't want to be found out to be dealing in magic uh-huh. or following there was esoteric a, principles. There was reputational loss. Exactly. And especially when you realize that most of these people were very high uppity-ups. Uh-huh. Losing their reputation was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So so Westcott just cut himself off from the organization entirely. He just disappeared. Just just vanished as far as they were concerned. Yep, and that left Mathers pretty much in sole control yep. of the organization. Especially since he was the only one who was getting the contact from the secret chiefs. Yeah. Wasn't that convenient. Right. <laughs> this is why we talk about it a little bit sarcastically. Yes. Um because it's it sure it sure Worked out for Mathers for, for a bit there. But um, it was not setting well with members of no. the Second Order. <laughs> there were, yes, there were many adepts who were very, um, they had questions yeah. about why Mathers was the only one who could contact the secret chiefs mm-hmm. and how accurately he was relaying their messages. And then he became a really good friend to Alistair Crowley. Yes. Who had... Not exactly a good reputation in the esoteric community. No, he really didn't. He had joined several organizations. He would continue to join more organizations. And was asked to leave many he organizations. was asked to leave many organizations, yes. He had very, very divergent views of what occultism should be for mm-hmm. and what it should what it should look like and what it should be trying to accomplish. Yeah, and there, I mean, I was reading that he and... Uh, William Butler Yeats had an actual, like, there was like a war. Yeah, they had a feud. A feud between them because 
Yeats was all about white magic and doing good in the world, and he felt and, like and the Crowley more philosophical, the more philosophical, and and he felt like Crowley was more black magic, dark magics, which questionable magics. That which, was his opinion. You can I. Aleister Crowley was not a perfect person no. by any stretch no, of the imagination. Yeah. He was reportedly kind of an asshole. He did some very dubious things. But I think the reason he gets this reputation or had this reputation amongst his peers mm -hmm. has less to do with any like evil he was doing mm -hmm. and more to do with the fact that he was just a hedonist. Yeah, over oh, Aleister much, Crowley so. was very like a don't separate the secular and the sacred, like, sex is sacred, mm -hmm. have good food, have good sex, love is the only law, like, he was that kind of a person. And that really clashed with the sort of high-minded ideals mm -hmm. of the okay. other hermetic occultists of his time. Of the Second Order, mm -hmm. especially. Mm -hmm. They did not like it. In fact, the, the Second Order did not want to allow Crowley a membership into... The Golden Dawn. So, so <laughs> which is where the whole hullabaloo. Yeah. Came. So a whole thing starts. So, so Crowley joins the the Golden Dawn as an initiate, and he goes through the First Order, and he passes all the ranks. He passes all the exams. He becomes friends with McGregor Mathers, mm -hmm. and he gets to the to that invisible rank, the portal mm -hmm. rank, Between where he's first and where second. he's learned everything. That there is to learn from the First Order, and he needs to move on to the Second Order now. So he's in that in-between state. He asks to be initiated into the Second Order, because and he's done all his homework, effectively. And the London Temple said no. They refuse him, yes. <laughs> Mathers just decide, just completely overrules it, just decides, he, well, he's the head of the Golden Order, so he can decide who gets to join the Second Order anyway. And so, he created a temple in Paris. In Paris, which was where he was. So he went back to London, fetched Crowley, took him to Paris, and very quickly, before anyone could argue with yeah. him, initiated Crowley into the Second Order. All very, very hush-hush, uh -huh. under, under the radar. Secret initiation <laughs> secret into the Secret Order. Into the Secret Order. So... Crowley comes back to London and goes to the temple and says, I've been initiated into the Second Order. Can I have the papers to which I am entitled? Explaining that I am an initiate of the Second Order, that I am an adept. And the London secretary refuses and then quits. Yeah, yeah. Lost her mind. <laughs> she, she refuses to give him his papers. And then she writes the letter to Mathers telling him that she no longer has any faith in his leadership. Now that he has uh, advanced Crowley to the Second Order against the wishes of the other adepts, and she's quitting. And she will stick around exactly long enough for him to find a replacement. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is at about 1900, and it begins the schism. Yes. Essentially, they get together and they kick Mathers out of the London yes. <laughs> The The London adepts. They just say, you're not our leader anymore. Yes, separate from the the other temples, and specifically they separate from Mathers. So any temples that Mathers still has authority in, yep. they're no longer affiliated with. The Isis-Urania temple claimed their independence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and this was problematic because the Isis-Urania temple was the first one. Mm -hmm. It was the first one they started. And that was the one Mathers lost. Like it had been one, it would have been one thing if he had lost like one of the American temples right. he started or something like that. That would have been 
irritating, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been such like a, a, a blow to his reputation right. to lose the primary temple. He did, and this started a huge, huge fight, huge fight among all the temples. And Yeats has to publish a, uh, a pamphlet, a, a, a little private for Golden Dawn circulation only pamphlet about like, um, are we still going to exist after this shit? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just an enormous mess. It goes on for like three years. They, they created a committee that fell apart. Uh-huh. There was, there were some attempts at reconciliation, which failed catastrophically. Mm-hmm. Um, and several temples closed. Mathers can't regain control. They tried to create new society. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole mess. And so by about 1903, the, the schism has resolved into the dissolution, the formal dissolution oh, of the, the Hermetic order, order of the Golden yep. Dawn. Some of Mathers' temples in, uh, in America, he had several in America, uh, and there were some in New Zealand and uh, around the world. Um, some of those temples persisted. Most of them were gone by the 1930s. There were two more that persisted into the 1970s before they, too, finally shut down. Mm -hmm. But yet their influence exists because Crowley... Yes, took he, a took all the, he took a bunch of the lessons he learned at the Golden Dawn, because like I said, he got through yeah. the whole First Order, he got into the Second Order. Yeah. He took a lot of that with him when he went to start the AA, mm-hmm. which is not Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> it's uh, the A, three dots, A, three dots, and I say it that way because we still don't know exactly what, what the, the three dots mean. Well, what the, what the three dots mean, or what the A's were supposed to stand for. There's like a dozen different interpretations of what the A's were supposed to stand right. for. And then he also went on to create Thelema. Yes. He went on to do a lot of work yeah. in occult societies. Which, you know, Thelema, is the OTO part of Thelema? No. So the OTO pre-existed the AA. Mm-hmm. The AA. I know. The mysterious AA. Crowley's AA. The OTO pre-existed that. It was started, I believe, in Germany as an alternative to Freemasonry. And it sort of expanded from there. But it was closely allied with the AA that Crowley started in 1907. Considering that we consider, at least the three of us consider, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of what this is based on, for lack of a better term, malarkey. (laughs) Specious. Right. (laughs) At best. Uh How do we consider things then like the Rider Waite deck, which A.E. Waite was a part of mm-hmm. the Hermetic mm-hmm. Order, or Israel Rigardi, mm-hmm. who was part of the Hermetic, Hermetic Order in the States, or, for that matter, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a part of it as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or know, and, and just all the elements yeah. of Golden Dawn ritual that have that passed still, down yeah. into Wicca, in- into into other witchcraft practices, right. often unrecognized mm-hmm. as having originated there. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and a lot of stuff is unrecognized. Exactly. And well and having originated even further back mm-hmm. in the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians. Yeah, and, right. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of honestly this revelation, mm-hmm. I think whether it was truly they found, you know, they were... Right, they found this manuscript somewhere. They found this somewhere. manuscript somewhere and truly did, uh, you know, decipher it. Um, or whether they created the, themselves because mm-hmm. they wanted something deeper, more meaningful mm-hmm. than, than what Freemasonry could give them. They clearly 
took ideas from the Kabbalah right. and from the Rosicrucians mm-hmm. and from Freemasonry. And, yeah. And, and, and various, I mean, they were all students of uh, Western esotericism. Mm-hmm. They were all students they were of, sort of the mystical arts. A lot of them were in multiple and occult organizations yeah. for this and yeah. like, like Crowley himself. And they're like the original eclectics. They, they honestly are. The, the, the original. The golden, everybody, everybody who fusses about eclectics today. The Golden Dawn is the, the original. Golden eclectics. Dawn are the original eclectic magicians, wizards, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Magi. They, <laughs> magi. They took from the things that resonated with them, whether it was through spiritual transfer or whether it was from being inspired by what they read because like I said they were philosophers and they were alchemists writers and, and alchemists yeah. and they were students of, of these mysteries and things like that <laughs> the the cipher manuscript wherever it came from although it doesn't contain any new mysteries that right. were unknown at the time that it was ciphered it is an extremely comprehensive collection uh, a distillation of the Western esoteric occult understanding at the time. Mm-hmm. It ha- I, it frustrates me that I'm pretty sure they invented oh, this. I think they did. Just this. like there were gospels that were mm-hmm. written by people who gave famous names to them exactly. so people would take them seriously. And, and it frustrates me that they did that because just on its own, mm-hmm. the Cypher Manuscript is an impressive work of collation, mm-hmm. right? Of gathering and synthesizing all these materials. Yeah. And so I think it has value in that sense, in the sense that it is a a really interesting look at where Western, especially upper class, occultism was at the time. I don't think it has any unusual special authority that it didn't inherit from all those different sources it refuses to attribute to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I, I do think, though, that, you know, even though, yes, we, we do a little tongue-in-cheek when mm-hmm. we talk about about how it was transferred or passed on to them, but, um, but truly, we do have to acknowledge that these men and women, mm-hmm. these people who were the, the, the three men who created the Golden Dawn, mm-hmm. the leadership that came in, the adepts, the, the novices, all the people who put their time, their energy, mm-hmm. their skill, their interest into it they created something very special Mm -hmm. which again we still have ripples ripples of it today yeah uh ran and gray says i guess in my opinion that even if it was literally just people who came up with this stuff i.e no manuscript or masters etc it's still stuff that worked like Mm -hmm. you said they took little bits and pieces from a whole bunch of stuff so they just connected dots and made it work yeah i i really do think like this is one of the best examples we tend to think of syncretic or or eclectic Mm -hmm. systems as being very disorganized. Right. But this is an example of an eclectic system that was highly organized, Uh incredibly complex. Yeah. Complex, interlinked. The, you had to move through the stages of Mm -hmm. the curriculum in this order because each level of it taught you something you needed to know for the next one. Exactly. And they were very skilled. Once they reached to their le- their various levels, they became very skilled practitioners. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can can say that that these people were not skilled practitioners because they clearly were. Right. It certainly was- certainly they were at least meeting each other's standards. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> 
listen, I, I have no doubt that the the adepts of the second order, once that was established, had very high standards for who was allowed to join them. Because as soon as you establish a hierarchy like that, <laughs> right. that's what happens. Yeah, Rochala says, it sounds a bit to me like all the modern attempts to gain legitimacy for a path by inventing an ancient fictional lineage. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. We're practicing in a long tradition there when, when we see that happen mm -hmm. uh, in the modern day. But as we were saying, you know, Crowley took what he learned. He created some various organizations that are still right. That are still running. That are still running today. He created, you know, things that also influenced Gerald Gardner. You know, and Gerald Gardner was was influenced by what he learned. He was influenced by Rosicrucians. I think. Yeah, yeah, from the Rosicrucians. So they all kind of interlinked. And now I do think that at the time, one of the one of the things that people didn't like about, say, like Aleister Crowley, mm -hmm. was that he was taking some of their secrets and he was creating things. Oh, yeah. and he was teaching it to other people. Crowley, Crowley <laughs> didn't have a ton of respect for... No. Uh, secret orders. For secret, secret orders or for yeah. oath-bound or anything No, no, like that. He, he pretty much Although, like, you want to learn it, I'll teach it to you. Well, he basically created one. He, he did. did. It was not actually Crowley who was the first leak from the Golden Dawn. There was a woman, I can't remember her name, Madam something, who uh who took a bunch of first order secrets mm -hmm. and went off and started a fake golden dawn mm -hmm. in another country it might have been America and was eventually and it was a bad fake oh like bad. a criminal fraud and rape fake oh bad yeah, yeah. so uh, that was actually a huge blow to the golden dawn because the secret information that she took from them was released to the press when they were eventually oh, okay. arrested for yeah. their crimes. Yeah. And uh, it was published. And of course... And, and ridiculed. Yeah. So that was not great for their reputation either. Visit the Birmingham Violin Studio, where Tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin for anyone ages seven and up for over 20 years. Kirsten tailors each lesson specifically to the student. Since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, rather than teaching from a single method or book, Kirsten has a master's of music in violin performance and has played for professional ensembles, including Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and pre-American idol Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Excellent read. Good radio voice. That's all I've got in me right now. <laughs> Just radio voice. My regular voice is gone. <laughs> I don't think anyone will complain. No. They like your radio voice. Yeah, what's really funny is, like, I was reading this. I started reading this book that I, I got on... Kindle Unlimited. So, you know, it was like a rental kind of thing and about the Golden Dawn. And when I first started reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is just like making it into just such this big deal. Was it Israel Regardi? Yes, it yeah. was. And, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, and I was like, oh my gosh, can we kiss ass a little bit more? You yeah, know, it was Israel Regardi. <laughs> of course. It, yeah, of course. You know? And, but the more I read about it, though, I thought I, I was like, okay, yes, he was a little bit over the top, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But he also wasn't wrong in their influence and in, in the things that they did. Yeah. So I, I do think that it's interesting that we have this history mm -hmm. with them. That so few people are 
conscious of. Yeah, they, I feel like the the Order of the Golden Dawn has kind of gone the way of the Illuminati. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> In fact, someone earlier asked, "Is the, are we talking about the Illuminati? And we're not. It's no, a completely no. separate thing. Completely separate um, thing. But people do sort what of... What the Rosicrucians? Yeah, but people do sort of talk about the Golden Dawn, I think because they were a, quote, secret society. Yeah. People yeah. talk about them as if they were conspiracy masters. <laughs> Yeah, but I think also part of that's like Israel's work. And, you know, like Rider Waite's pretty much based on it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's everybody's first introduction to tarot, so you get that. Oh, it, definitely. It, it keeps adding weight to everything that went on, and because of all those other things that are out there that still... The, the little influences. The little influences. influences add weight to it. And then we look at it and we go, well, we really don't know anything. Right. So we're putting yeah. all this weight in something we know very little actually about. So it had to be suspicious. 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 Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it builds doubt in, in people's minds. Right. Yeah. 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 It does make me wonder how much the, you know, since the the, the original Golden Dawn's, right. is, you know, is gone. Is gone. You know, there are Like I said, there, there, there is a, a new... Uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden right. Dawn. Incorporated. Incorporated. Right. Which was incorporated in the 90s, I think. He yeah. started it in the 70s. Yeah. I know. And it's because he wanted to preserve the... To preserve the legacy. The legacy yeah. of the Golden Dawn. But it makes me wonder, they were a freaking, you know, secret society. How much of... Do we have all of their papers and, and their secrets? That's a good or question. Just, or just some of them, like what Crowley shared. What Crowley shared. And turned into his own, you know, created his own thing with. I mean, we have we have some of it, obviously. Like, mm -hmm. we, we have Yeats's pamphlet. Yeah. We have, you know, like... Well, did, were they able to maintain some of their secrets? Who knows? This is the question I'm asking. We'll, never, we'll never know, we'll I never think, know. Is, the, is the real thing. Some of them that we know of mm -hmm. definitely did leave papers behind. Right. And, and so those papers have been recovered and disseminated and people have them. I guess the reason I'm going there is I think maybe that's also part of where this mysterious uh, idea of are they like the you know are they the Illuminati, the, the Rosicrucians, the the Golden Dawn, they're also mysterious because we don't know everything about them. We don't have you know we only well, know bits and pieces. But that was the point. Yeah. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So and, you know and also like I I don't think we need to know everything about them. No, I don't think so either. You like, know? They have that aura of mystery about them. <laughs> The aura of mystery doesn't interest me. I just think, like, we know enough about them. Right. We, we know, know they existed. We know they existed. We know what they were teaching, roughly. And because we know, like, the Cypher manuscript, like, we've, we have the Cypher manuscript. Right. right. We have the curriculum they built it all off of. Right. I don't know if we have the stuff that Mathers passed on for, for the Second Order, but, like, we can probably recreate the whole First Order. I would not be surprised if that's what the new Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn has done. That was my question. I wondered if they were able to do that, if that's well, part I, of their Well, I can't say for sure, but I do know that I have a YouTube channel uh, with lots of very, very long videos that I've watched <laughs> some of. So maybe if you if you get deep enough into their YouTube channel, you can find those answers. Uh, do you remember we took a class with Paul once, and mm -hmm. he did the Ritual of the Pentacle? Uh, pentagram or pentagram. Yep. I'm wondering because that's one of the first. That order. was one of the first order things yep. that that Crowley took to yep. uh, to teach his students, if you will, yep. for his organizations. And we got to, and one of the things that Paul talked about was, uh, I believe, was that its origin, you know, came from the Golden Dawn. Dawn. And he said there are. He made the point that so many practices within Wicca and other forms of paganism, they true people do these things. They create circles, or they make pentagrams, or they do call these the watchtowers. They call the watchtowers, 
but they don't know the reason behind it. Right. They don't know why. They don't know the history. They right. just know they're it's just sort of they're just sort of parroting what they've been taught. They've been taught. They don't know what's what why that came to be in the first place. Yeah. And I don't think you necessarily have to know why for it to work. No, no. exactly. I agree. Clear, clearly you don't, because so many people don't know, and it still works. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's interesting to look into that history and to, mm -hmm. to figure out why they thought it worked, right? Yes. And compare that to your own notes. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's how we make progress and move forward, I think. Yeah. I, I agree. Now, there was another brief Golden Dawn thing called the Open Order of the Golden Dawn. They actually yeah. closed down in 2019. Um, and they were started to take the original notes mm -hmm. and bring them into modern English instead of Victorian English. Oh. To make them more accessible. More okay. accessible. And their website is still up. Oh, is it? And it still has all of the information on there for all of them. So oh. you can actually download it. They've got a pretty good thing of it. So you can peruse at your own leisure it's, it's um, the it's the niv of uh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of the golden oh, dawn oh. material i would oh, say it's the tniv so that but that's still their website's still up all that stuff's still there they are not taking any new initiates they're not doing anything like yeah, that they, they officially but they are keep, yeah they officially closed but they are keeping everything open mm -hmm. excellent that's cool and you know what accurate to their mission statement so yeah. right I respect yep. it yep. yeah respect to whoever in that organization was like yeah i'll keep right. paying the hosting fees yeah well and i looked at chick's site which is the guy yeah, who yeah. did the new chick, order chick, cicero cicero right, yep. yeah chick cicero um and that website's up and they have a lot of open stuff there yeah. as well so it's so not as closed to, to as pique your interest yeah, in case you want to join not as close as it necessarily used to be yeah right. i don't um, think so, let's face it is any secret society really as secret as it used to be well it's kind of funny because the masons now like you know we moved to kalamazoo's mm -hmm. what a year a little over a year ago two well, years ago two now. years ago Jeez. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked into like, oh, you know, the the Masons right. now are just yeah. a big fraternal organization. Exactly. You just have one everywhere, right? Yeah. My but there's was but there's Mason. not. There's not one here. There's not one <laughs> in Kalamazoo. It's not that there's not one in Kalamazoo. There's not one within a hundred miles, really, very of Kalamazoo. So I'm so you used have to there to always being a Masonic lodge. It's probably not hundred. It's probably fifty miles. There's one in Grand Rapids. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, but it's much smaller. They don't actually use the Masonic Temple yeah. up there anymore. That's been turned into an office building. Yep. Wow. The, the Masonic building here in Kalamazoo is being turned into apartments. Yeah. Um, a so, lot of attrition among the Masons. Yeah, and I so it's a much feel... smaller organization. Now, the funny thing is that the largest Mason creation of ceremonial robes and banners and stuff uh -huh. is based here in Kalamazoo. Interesting. But they don't have a lodge here. But they don't have a lodge here. That's yeah. So baffling. because they're not, it's not part of the Masons. It's right. a different it's... entity. It's just they do the majority of the work for them. Huh. Um, and there's only ever been five in the country that make, that all the make this regalia. stuff. Yep. And they do have regalia. Yes, they do. Tell you, what, you look at some of the pictures from the original Order of the Golden Dawn. There's a few of them in their yeah. regalia. And they're they dark. have very fancy gear. Oh, yeah. The quite Golden fancy. Dawn. Well, I know that the lady who does the stitching mm -hmm. here yeah, does is 90-something wow. and does it by hand and will not not come in 40 hours a week. Yeah. 
actually her son has to pick her up and take her home so that she won't stay forever because she feels like this is her, this is her calling. Her calling, yeah. Wow, that's very cool. It's it's kind of interesting because you know it it makes me a little sad actually to think yeah. that these societies are are going, oh, they're, they're are all going, going the away. way of the yeah. dinosaur, yeah. you know. And I think part of that is because we have the internet now. Yes. You don't need a local chapter of good old boys when you have Twitter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Well, I think churches kind of began the downfall of them. Probably, Because they yeah. were telling everybody they were so evil. Yeah, right. That they were, yeah. That they were doing satanic. Which is kind of funny because most of the people who were higher up in the Masons and stuff were churchgoers. Yeah. So that's just, another reason it was like membership was is uh, right it. secret. Yeah. 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 Because people didn't want it, and it all started, you know, just like with the Golden Dawn, with you know the Rosicrucians, mm-hmm. with you know, any of these secret societies. They they do that because they find people who have a similar interest. Mm-hmm. in something unusual, mm-hmm. right? Some kind of esoteric thing. Well, unlike or, the Masons, it's not even, it's well, not with a them, it was really a guild. Yeah, like, they, right, yeah. they started as a guild. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were a masonry guild. Yeah. And it moved on from there. But my point is, you know, what was drawing people into these highfalutin, you know, people <laughs> was it, it gave them a chance to socialize yep. in a different way. In a different right. environment. In a different yep. environment yeah. where they didn't necessarily have to be who they were at home, at home or in society. Right. They could be someone completely different. Yeah. And that's what we still look they at. They could be an adept. Yes. That's st- I think that's still what draws people into uh, witchcraft and paganism and covens. And right. And we have craft names. Craft. Yeah, exactly. I think that desire is still present today. It's just we don't have quite as much secrecy. Right. Yeah. Or structure. Or structure. Yeah. yeah. Although sometimes I miss the structure portion. Yeah. yeah. And there yeah. are organizations where you can get more structure. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yep. You can, like, if you want more structure as, uh, you know, as in witchcraft, mm-hmm. you can join a Wiccan coven. Yep. One of the, one especially of the, one of the British the traditionals. Yeah. yeah. They have a lot more structure right. in, in those, in those. Uh, but then you also have to have the religion part of it. And Depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depends. So. There's different ways. Yes. But I, I think that same yearning that people had, which encouraged them to create mm-hmm. these societies, I think we still have it today. It's just being expressed It's just being expressed differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else? No, I think that's it. I mean, it's a pretty big subject, so if you want to learn more about the Golden Dawn, you got to have Like to I said, go to their reading. YouTube channel. Watch the YouTube. Go to the website. They, uh, they you know, actually have... Was talking about. They actually have some interesting conversations between uh, a member of the Golden Dawn and a Wiccan, and they sort of compare their magic systems and everything uh, on their on their YouTube channel. So there Very are some cool. really interesting videos there. Cool. Awesome. So if that's it... That is yep. it. Then this, this was this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. <laughs> and you can find out more about us by Googling the number three... And then the words pagans and a cat. Or you can just put in the number three and the letter P and the letter A and the letter A and the letter C. And oddly enough, a bunch of other shit pops up. Mm-hmm. So, still us. Still us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the best way to probably find out everything you want about us. We are on every podcast platform. We're on Spotify, YouTube sometimes. Mm-hmm. Audible. Um, yeah, you can even ask your Alexa to play us yeah. and they will. So <laughs> she did turn on. <laughs> yeah. So just yeah. And you that, that's that's, that's the it. way. That's, that's it. it. That is the way. 
And we love you. We love our listeners mm-hmm. and everybody. So I guess that's it. Have a good week, guys. Come on. We'll see you next time. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah. It's always a maybe with Car now, yeah, but maybe, maybe we'll see you next time. So we'll see.